0: The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. Time now for the Africa Business Report. We're going to be going around the continent with uh, uh, Diana Games, of course. From She's the chief executive at Africa at Work, the business consultancy. Diana, welcome to The Money Show again. Yes, good
1: evening and thanks for having me.
0: Very interesting story coming through a game closing its stores in uh, West and East Africa as well. About 14 stores are shutting down there. We've seen that trend happen here in South Africa, uh, you know, cutting down on the number of stores that it has here. But it's also moving out of Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania and Ghana. Why uh, could not find a buyer there?
1: well it's it's not clear actually um, who they approach to buy it there are quite a few retailers in east africa that that might have been interested um who actually also their competitors but um it's not really clear i think that you know the the, the market is is not um at its peak in 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 these countries generally with you know a post covid uh, high inflation particularly this year so people have this disposable income and also you have in these markets, which I think is often um, underestimated is the the size of the middle class It's relatively small certainly compared to South Africa and 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 relatively unstable particularly at a time of, of Financial hardship, so I think that um and 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 the, and the retail sector in in both regions has been had different experiences really <coughs> Excuse me, but um in East Africa, there has been a lot of, a lot of competition, which really has kept the South Africans out for some time. Um, game only went into Kenya, for example, in 2015. But, um, I think that the, there's, the, there, there's, there's still a very strong kind of, Pushed to uh, informal channels and what mm. they call traditional retail. More than seventy percent, I think, of shoppers are still going to open air markets, local shops near their communities, kiosks, etc. Whereas the South Africans have tended to go into um, sort of quite upmarket market, uh, large shopping malls, which which are quite fragmented in terms of the shopping experience of most people, particularly in West Africa. Um, and so it's not really a surprise that it hasn't. Gone as well as everybody had hoped. And I, I was actually in Nigeria in 2005 when, um, game and ShopRite actually opened up in the first then in, in, in Lagos, the first Western style mall. Um, and that was quite a big thing. It was the, it was sort of heralded the start of, um, a big kind of retail push by retailers from South Africa into other African countries moving yeah. beyond Southern Africa. So yeah, so it's, so that's, so it's, in a way, it's the end of an era. <clears throat> we still have. PEP in Nigeria, for example, um, and um although it's not in East Africa, but uh but there's a lot of our retailers have pulled back and that includes, you know, True Worth, uh, Mr. Price, etc. So this is just the latest in in that whole list of of companies and and it is unfortunate in a way, but obviously they've got the reasons that they you know that they want to do this and and a lot of it is to do with problems at home, but also the complexity of managing so many stores across very kind of wide regions and very different kind of dynamics demographic and otherwise in these in these various regions.
0: And what a day to close uh, in Lagos, Nigeria Closing on Christmas Day is game uh, And <clears throat> stores there in that particular region Another story is Tensions in Zimbabwe's tourist maker Victoria Falls Now I always watch people on Instagram um, You know, taking really, really great videos At Victoria Falls Whether it's in the shallow pools there Or close to the waterfall And I always say to a friend Look, if there's a property company Elsewhere in the world that's looking at this They'll want to go there And I want how that's going to affect the environment around uh, the Victoria Falls. And this particular story tells a similar uh, a tale.
1: Well, the thing is, <clears throat> I think a lot of the pictures that you see are in that, that pool that's right on the edge of the Victoria Falls, which um, is always alarming when you see it for the first time, see people in there. But um, that's in Zambia, in fact. And, and Zambia is part of the problem of this thing, where um, what you've got is that, uh, and and it was bound to happen at some point. You've got this, uh, Victoria Falls is very much a tourist town. Everything revolves around tourism. And it doesn't have a diversified economy beyond all the supply chain of of tourism. And what you've had is this kind of ad hoc development, ad hoc com- commercialization over the years. You know, a hotel here, tur- a bar here, uh, something else there, a housing estate, um uh, you know, a uh, uh, uh um, uh, you know, et cetera, restaurants and all of this sort of thing, but it hasn't been done in a planned way. And, and, and now I think Victoria Falls is kind of at a crossroads of does it become a commercial, um, to a tourist town with lots of, you know, playgrounds, fun fairs for children, um, all of these things to get tourists to stay for longer and to attract local tourists as well. Or do they stick with what, what has always worked? Um, and that is the, this kind of, um, high-end tourism, people looking for this really a uh, beautiful, unusual, natural wonder of the world. And, and, and so, the, so, so I think that's, you know, there's no plan going forward. And I think that's the worry is where will Victoria Falls be in, in 20, 30 years time? Are they, um, you know, are the developers who really want to lay their hands on this river frontage along the Zambezi, are they going to kill the goose that lays the golden egg basically? Or is that what's needed there? You know, should Vic Falls become a kind of a playground, a bit of a Las Vegas yeah. of, of tourism? And I think that uh, no one seems to agree on, on how this is going. And it's ended up now in court with um, a private company with government approval has um, building a restaurant right on the rainforest, right at the top of the Victoria Falls, despite an urgent court application that hasn't been heard since it was lodged in, in May this year. So that's six months later. And their worries that this whole story, if it's not handled properly, may affect the full status as a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which has been one of the reasons that people know it, international tourists, and want to visit it. So there's it's something, it's unusual. I mean, it's, it will affect, it's the kind of thing that a lot of towns have to think about when they are that focused on one sector. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and who kind of wins, if you like um i think in, in in development is inevitable but just how it takes place is going to be important for the future of this place
0: it's, I'm, I'm actually remembering a story here about the wildebeest uh, migration um, and the crossing that they do over the Mara River You know, because that's become so popular with tourists they'll all set up their cameras and because there's so many people on the banks of the Mara River the wildebeests have had to actually change their path that they usually take and not as many of them actually make it across the river so conservationists really looking at this and saying look as much as we want to make money from tourism we must also look at the the nature aspect of having uh, all these tourists or tourists in in these key areas so that story will be keeping a keen eye on as well and then the big man syndrome continuing in equatorial guinea what's happening there
1: well I suppose you could call him the ultimate big man Um, Teodoro Obiang who's the president of uh, Equatorial Guinea and has been, he's now 80 years old he has been the president for 43 years and is now looking or fighting for a sixth term in power Um, and uh, you know he's it's, it's, it, it, I saw he was on hard talk, I think, recently, and they were saying, but does the constitution allow for you to stand again? And he just brushed that off and said that people want me. And and so it went like this. But, um, <clears throat> in fact, it's, um, it looked for a while to be a family business. He, he was grooming his son to, to stand, um, for the, for the president, which, of course, his son would have won in this kind of autocratic country and, and that has long not had many human rights and so on. Uh, but in fact, I think the son has misbehaved to the point where his father decided not to. Um, I'm simplifying it, obviously, but um he decided not to put his son up and he's standing again himself. Now, you know, it's an important country in the sense that um it is one of the top five or six um, oil and gas um uh, producers in Africa. And it's an incredibly wealthy country. Whether the wealth trickles down, of course, is another story. I mean, it's per capita income is probably just below South Africa. But yet, so, so you know, seventy more than seventy percent of people live below the poverty line, the, the wealth is very much concentrated in in kind of families and, and top uh, officials and in, in, in a small number of hands. So you're not getting the trickle down effect, and that's not unusual in Africa, I suppose. But I think maybe it's more um, evident in a country this size, There's only like one and a half million people, or, or something. It's very small. So at this stage, the early results are saying that he's won, um, you know, 99% of. Of the vote, and I think that number always tells you that this is not a a kind of a democratic election in the sense that we know it. Um, that you know that this man will win no matter what it takes, and he does have. There are other contenders, only two um, for the presidential position, but I think there's obviously no chance that they are going to um, to win anything. And this really this uh, harks back to the days where you know this was quite normal, really, where you had a lot of presidents who were in power for this length of time, and we still do have some of those the president of um uh of, of republic of congo zimbabwe i mean if you could look at president monogagwa technically he was the vice president for most of the time for a lot of the time or certainly in government right from the beginning of zimbabwe's um, independence and Paul beer in, in uh, cameroon and there's a few others so we're not quite out of that era yet you know there's been a lot of Um, big shifts in the democratic landscape in in Africa. But uh, we are still stuck with a couple of uh, anomalies, if you can put it like that.
0: Look, the irony is not missed on me. I mean, he's been in power for 43 years. He seized power from his uncle in a coup in 1979. So it's pretty much been a family business uh, up to now. That was uh, Africa Business Focus with Diana Games, the chief executive at Africa at work.